0: Bright. It's an interesting word choice, right? Bright for for that for that song. I I, I suppose it was chosen because it rhymes. And if you pick all the other words that rhyme with night, there's not any a really lot of good options there. All is calm. All is blight. Uh, all is fright. All is tight. Like it's just not a lot of good options. So all is bright seems to work as at least poetically. But I think it also says something interesting about the birth of Jesus, that there is some, it, it, there is in some way some brightness, there's some light that he brings into the world. In fact, one of the gospel writers writes about it as he describes Jesus coming to earth. If you read about the birth of Jesus, you're really only going to read the details of the birth, the Mary and Joseph and all that. You're only going to read that in two out of the four gospel writers. Matthew and Luke write about that. Mark doesn't bother with any of the birth stuff. He just starts when Jesus is like 30 and starts the story from there. And John, the last of the four gospel writers who wrote a little later, he didn't bother to give us Joseph and Mary and all that because he figured that had already been covered by the people who had written before. When John writes his gospel, he opens by talking about not that Jesus was born, but more what did it mean? Like, what did it matter that Jesus came to earth? And so uh, he starts with these, these uh, really powerful words that are kind of a, a reference back to something else, which we'll get into here in a second. Let me read to you the way John starts his account of the life of Jesus. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, those words should sound familiar to you in some way. Either you've read them, or you can tell he's referencing something else. He starts out by saying, in the beginning. Well, where did where did in the beginning come from? Where has where that phrase shown up? Well, actually... Genesis chapter 1, he's referring back to the beginning of all history and the way it is recorded in the Bible, which is the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and the very first words of that book. He's making a reference back to that and saying, in that moment when, when God created the universe, Jesus was there. And if you know what you're looking for, you can find it. Let me read to you Genesis 1. Listen to the way Genesis 1 starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was hovering over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. All right, you've got God the Father creating the universe. You see, you, you see some reference to he's, he's there in the beginning. And it said, the Spirit of God, there's the Holy Spirit, hovering over the waters. And then it says, and this one's a little more subtle, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, right? God speaks. It is God's word. This is, Christian theologians have come back later and said, this is a reference to Jesus. That Jesus is there as well. He's, he's this word of God. And when John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he's talking about Jesus, that he's this, it's this idea that he's like the spoken Word of God, but the word that we translate word in English is actually the Greek word logos, which is more than just a spoken word, it's like where we get our word logic, it is, it is uh, in in the first century terms, it is something more like a philosophical concept of uh, meaning and purpose and truth, like Jesus is the logos, he is the word, He is the truth, He is the truth of the capital T, he is the meaning, the purpose of our existence. This is what John is trying to to tell us um, that Jesus is that and he was and he has always been there. he was there from the beginning. John is telling us that Jesus is the center of the universe, and he always has been, and all things were made through him, the the creative energy Jesus brought to the table and created um, the world, which means um, as we look at the life that we live, Jesus is actually uh, the, the author of it. Whatever exists, he made it. Um, so, so he has, uh, as the author of it, he has authority over it. Uh, but I, I want, So we could talk about logos and word and all that all day, and that's probably another sermon another time. I want to focus in on the last part of those verses of what it says. Let me read to you again verse 4. It says this, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Jesus was life. Now, what is life? What does that phrase mean? Well, we can understand life in very scientific, biological terms. If I said, does this thing have life? You would know, right? You would know, well, it's got, is it sentient? Does it have blood flowing through it in some way? Is it alive or not? That is one way to think about this thing has has life. And Until the AI gets good enough, we can mostly tell that things have life or they don't, that things are really alive or things that are not. One day that may not be the case, and that day may be soon, but that's probably another sermon for another time. Um, But there's another way of thinking about life that I think John is pointing us to. It's not just literally, he's not saying Jesus was alive. Um, He's talking about something when we say, when we say something has life in it, we, we don't mean it's alive, there's that, but we, we also mean something like there's a vigor there, there's an energy to it, there's, there's some, some purpose and, and, and direction. And John is alluding to that in a poetic way and saying what Jesus brings to the world is not another person who happens to be alive when he was born. Yes, he was that, but he's bringing meaning and, and purpose and energy and, and energizing us with, with his, with his life. Um, there are many reasons why I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, I, I would say I was born into it, but that's not really true. My parents weren't really about it growing up. Um, I was born in America, so the likelihood of me discovering Jesus is higher than if I had been born in Indonesia. So I, I acknowledge that, that that's, that's part of it as well. Um, but I but now, as I've, as I've chosen as an adult to still follow after him, I think there are, of all the reasons, I, I find this to be uh, the most compelling. I, I follow Jesus because of what he did, um, that, he, that he was born as a little baby, he came to earth, God in the flesh, he grew up, he lived, he taught a, a way to be and a way to live, and then he died on the cross, was crucified by the Romans for my sin and your sin, that he died for me. Um, And I find that compelling, that someone loved me so much that they died for me. In fact, the God of the universe dies for me. And Jesus, in that life and death, in showing me the way to live, and showing me the way to die, and in showing me that there is a hope beyond death, he gives me guidelines and like guardrails for my life. He gives my life, even now, thousands of years later, he gives it structure and meaning and purpose and direction Yes, I'll have my doubts. Yes, I'm going to have my moments of, well, I don't know about this, and does this mean this, and what, what's going to happen, especially when I'm suffering, especially when I'm in pain. And you have them too. But at the end of the day, I keep coming back to, to this. Uh, Jesus brings structure and purpose and hope and meaning to the world in a way that nothing else does. And we're all looking for that. We're all looking for meaning and purpose. We, we, we just look for it in different ways. You may look for meaning and purpose in your job. You go, oh, I want to do this thing, and if I switch jobs and I can do this right thing, then I'm going to do something that's really, I feel good about myself at the end of the day. I'm doing good work. I'm doing things that matter. We, we, we fi- try to find purpose and meaning there. We're hoping that if I make money, uh, that, that will be meaningful and, and I'll be able to create value. We're hoping that if I get in the right kinds of relationships, then I will have purpose and value. I will... I'll be pouring into a child or a spouse or a dating relationship or something. If I just get the right kinds of relationships, those will be the things that give my life structure and meaning. And those are good things. I'm not against any of those things. Um, but, but when we go to place ultimate meaning in these things, they, they can't sustain us. So we look for relationships, we look for work, we look for causes. I'm going to save the world, I'm going to fight climate change, I'm going to save whales, animals, we're going to reform all of the things, we're going to reform the prison system, the education system, we're going to give it an all overhaul. I'm going to do all of these things so that my life has meaning and purpose and this is the direction. And these are all good things. Um... But I, I want you to know, and I think what John wants us to know, and the way he writes about this is that Jesus is what actually brings life to, to men and women. He, he brings, he pours energy into us and animates us. Um, I'm a follower of Jesus for the same reason that the, that, uh, the apostle Peter was. In, in, later in John, just a couple chapters over in John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching, and As he typically would do, he says some hard things. And if you read the gospels and you read what Jesus taught, you will nod along and you'll be like, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, that's nice. And then you'll read a thing and you'll be like, oh, what? Like, mm." because things Jesus taught and that Christianity teaches does not line up with the modern world. It doesn't line up with the way you have been taught in America to believe about certain things. You're preconceived, like we all come into reading this, we're like preloaded, we have biases, we have certain ways that we think things ought to be that are taught in culture. And and you read something from Jesus and it it can be offensive. And in Jesus' day, that was the case too. People would hear him speak and they love what he's saying until they didn't, until he said that one thing that made everybody feel awkward. Crowds are gathering, people are swarming around him, and he's like, you're gonna need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody's like, not so much. Like, that's not awesome. And then people would leave, and they would desert him. And at one point in John chapter six, Jesus turns to his closest disciples, and he's like, hey, everybody's leaving. Are you going to leave too? And Peter's answer It's my answer too. He says to Jesus this, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we gonna go to get life? Where are you gonna go? Where am I gonna go? Are we gonna go for whatever's hot right now? That'll be gone in 15 minutes. Where else can you go to find the answers of life? Science is great. We live in a science culture, post-enlightenment, reasonable, rational. It's wonderful. Neil deGrasse Tyson is not going to save your life. It's not. They're going to point out some things and measure some things. It's very interesting. But it will not answer the, most, the deepest questions of your heart. You can't do it. Philosophy is good. I love philosophy because those are people who are trying to figure out the big things of life. But I think therefore I am is not gonna save your life when hard things come, when, when life goes to crap. I think therefore I am is not gonna be very helpful. And so I find myself in the same place as Peter. Lord, where else could I go? You have the words of eternal life. So John one says, Jesus brings the life and it, it uses this phrase, the light of men. John in particular, the writer brings up light a lot. He brings it up here in John multiple times. He describes him here at the, Jesus the beginning as the light of the world. Jesus will say later in the book of John, I am the light of the world. And then in the book of 1 John, which he writes as an old man much later in his life, uh, John's going to talk about light quite a bit. The idea can be traced back to Genesis, let God, and God said, let there be light. That was the beginning of it, right? Um, and Jesus is that light. Uh, But let me read to you more of where John goes with it in John 1. He says this, In him was life, and the the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcoming. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He uses light so often in this and throughout, the, throughout his writing that we should probably think for a second what he means. How is Jesus the light? Well, think about what light is and what it, what it does. Uh, light, at a very basic level, helps you see. The reason you can see me right now is there's lights on in here. Um, not many of them because it's the bird, but it's what we got. Um, there's light in here so that you can see. Without light, we can't see. Pretty obvious, right? And if you've ever wandered around without light, you know what a pain that is. If you get up in the middle of the night and there's no light on, you find the furniture with your shins, right? Like you will you will discover how important it is with because light lets you know where everything is and wh- what is in what place so that you can actually navigate all of that. This is why light is so useful. And I think in the same way Jesus is the light because he helps us see things as they are, as they truly are, and where they are so we can navigate them well. Uh, When you come to Jesus, you, you see more clearly the world around you. When I talk about the world, I'm not talking about the earth. I'm talking about the the whole system of culture. We live in a particular system. It's a 21st century system. It's American, a Western American system. But there is a way of thinking, uh, a a set of assumptions about the way life is, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. Um, It is shouted at us through all sorts of media, social media channels and education system and everything. Like There is a way to be as an American that we are taught from a very young age, passed on from our parents and from teachers and friends, and all of these things. All of that kind of together makes up what we might just call like the culture. Now there's some conflicting ideas within our culture, right? There are more religious people who think right and wrong is a certain thing, there are less religious people. Throughout the history of the world, that has always been true. There's been a range, there have been different cultures that see the world differently. Some cultures, it's immoral to eat pork, I find that very sad. You know, because it can be very good. But I get it. If you've ever seen a pig, then some cultures you'd be like, I don't think we should eat that. That thing is gross. Right? Yeah. I, I get why people do that. It's immoral in some cultures to eat that. It's immoral in some cultures to eat shellfish. I'm, I'm way in favor of that. I, I wish it was immoral in our culture to eat shellfish. Or even smell them. I would be, I'd be fine. Um, some cultures, it is bad to point at people with the bottom of your feet. I know this because I've done it in the wrong place, in the wrong cultures in Southeast Asia. It, you, that if you should not ever show people the bottom of your feet. You never know, think about that. We don't think about this in the country. We sit, you know, cross-legged or whatever. You don't think about your foot's just pointing right at somebody. You don't, you don't think about that in our culture, but in some places this isn't good. Like, different cultures make these different lines around right and wrong, right? Some cultures love their neighbors. Some cultures historically eat their neighbors. That I have a preference which one I would prefer to live in, but, right? So... There are these things that make up culture, these ways of being, ways of seeing. And when when I say Jesus is the light, I'm saying he shines a light on all of that and he helps us to see it for what it truly is. He defines it for us. He defines what is right and what is true. He's the light of the world and this illuminates for us what truly is. And the reason he can illuminate it is he's the author of it. He created us. He created everything we see. It was, it was his idea. He brought it into being. This is important. When you're the author of something, you get to have, it's baked into the word, authority. You get to have authority over your work. All of us go to school and we had to learn Shakespeare. And we all have ideas of what we think Shakespeare meant. But the one way you could really know what Shakespeare meant if we could do this is just to ask him. Because he wrote it and he meant something very specific when he wrote it. The author is the authority over their work. And in the same way, Jesus, who created the universe, has authority over it. He has final word over what has been written there. Very practically, this means that because he's the light and because he's the author and the authority, he defines for us what is and what is not. So, when, so we don't have to remake it all. We don't have to come up with new definitions for everything. We can just go, okay... What does Jesus mean by that? What does the author mean by these things? So if you take something like sexuality and go, okay, what is sex for? Well, that's actually been written down. There's a purpose for it. It's been discussed. It has been laid out for us. This is what sexuality is for. We don't have to make up a new definition for that. We don't have to, to, I have no idea. What what could this possibly be? It's like, no, this has been laid out for us. We look to the author. He um, He ordered the world with male and female. Why? What is that about? Why does that show up all over nature and in humanity? What is he trying to accomplish by that? Well, let's look at how these things are complementary and how they work together. What is the purpose of that? We don't have to guess and we don't have to make up a new definition of all of it. We can look at the author and go, why did you do this? Why did you write it this way? And we can see how he laid things out. That is part of Jesus' shining light on the world. We can see what truly is and we don't have to discover new purposes for everything based on our own feelings or making ourselves our own authority. This applies to all sorts of things. Think about work. Why do we work? Most discussions about work in the modern world, and I listen to lots of podcasts and stuff, most discussions are about the work week and work-life balance and how do we, and and, and the underlying assumption is how could we work less? Like, could we do the four-hour work week Like the Tim Ferriss thing, right? Can we do that? Um, I I listened to a podcast the other day and there was a panel discussion about work and the whole discussion was about how to work less because of work-life balance. It was like, oh, the 40-hour work week's been standard. Could we do 30 or could we do 40 spread out amongst the, the whole week because, and they brought up great points. So like, you know, people have childcare situations they gotta work out. And wouldn't it be better if we could work in a much more flexible scenario, much more flexible hours. And there was this whole conversation. And I thought that was interesting. They talked about it in France. They have a 35-hour work week and all that kind of stuff. They get into all this. But I wanted to stop them, but you can't because it's a podcast and you're just listening. But I wanted to stop them and ask the question, like, what is work for? Like, the assumption is work, necessary evil. If we could just do less of it, we would be better. And I don't think that's true. Like, they're, they're like, we have a 40-hour work week. Could we have a 30? Is that better? Is 30 better than 40? Why stop there? Would 20 be better? Maybe a 10-hour work week would be better. Well, it depends on what you think work is and what it's for. We talk about work-life balance, and what we usually mean is, can I do less work and more life in my balance? But work is part of life. It's, it's baked into the whole thing. In fact, it is given to us this is where Jesus lights the world for us. It is given to us by God for a reason, to take care of the earth and make something out of it. So when we are working, we are doing something God has asked us to do. Are you sure we should do less of that? Look, I know some people like grinding 80 hours or whatever. Like I get it. There, there needs to be some balance. I get that. But we need to think about what is it for and how would we even answer the question of what it's for if we have nothing to look to if i go back to the author the light of the world and say shine a light on work for me tell me what is the purpose of this i think we can learn something there jesus as a light enables us to see everything more clearly jesus orders the world he told us to work to make something out of creation so it's a good thing that we work. Jesus is the light. He helps us see clearly. So our identity, our purpose, the meaning of life, marriage, sexuality, work, all of it, we can see more clearly when we come to Jesus. But there's one other aspect of light I want to talk about and then we're done. Light doesn't just help you see things. Light actually has healing properties, particularly when we talk about sunlight, which is kind of the main light that we have, right? sunlight has healing properties. We saw this in COVID. There was conversations about that, about the value of vitamin D, which can be had from the sunlight. I read articles about this all the time. The best thing you could do to start your day is go get sunlight for the first 10 minutes or something like that. There's stuff saying that sunlight really matters. It matters to the body. I actually saw this, I, 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 look, I would say I read the book, but I listened to the podcast. Uh, uh, and there's this book, and it's like um, five simple things. And it's this uh, doctor at Harvard. And he was talking about studying these um, societies where people live a long time, like Okinawa, and people live into 110 years old or whatever. Um, and he, he points out five things that people need to, for long life and, and health. Um, I'm not going to tell you what all five are. Uh, you're just going to have to Google that. Uh, but I'll give you one. One of them was vitamin D. And he, he talked about how vitamin D, D deficient most Americans are, most people in the West. Uh, lack of exposure to sunlight. Apparently the blue screen from your phone and your Netflix is not equivalent to sunlight. It's not, it does not have the healing properties that you think it does. <laughs> it, doesn't make you, it may make you feel better, but not really. Um, vitamin D is a crucial thing. So light actually brings healing. And so when we say Jesus is the light of men, I think there's a healing piece to that as well. It actually shows up in Christmas songs. We've been talking about Silent Night for these few weeks, and we're going to talk about it again on Christmas Eve. Uh, But hark the herald angels sing, right? You can probably sing the first verse because you've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and you know how it ends. Um, You probably know the first verse by heart. But here's, I think this is verse 3. Listen to this. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Around he brings Risen with healing in his wings. There's light and life from Jesus, John 1 says. And something about that, is, he's risen and that brings healing. There's healing in his wings. What is the healing from? Well, I think this is making a reference to the resurrection. We follow Jesus not because of his teachings, because he shines light on the world and we can see things clearly. We follow him because he lived and died for our sins, and he rose from the dead and told us that when we are baptized into him and when we follow him, we will rise from the dead also. Which means there's healing coming for you and I. There's healing coming. Like, if things are bad and things do not look good and life is not working out the way we want it to work out, there's still ultimate hope for resurrection. There is still coming a day When things will not be bad, when things are actually going to be very, very good. Jesus may not bring healing to your sickness specifically. The cancer may not clear up, the mental health issues may not go away, but I do think there's hope there and I think there's ultimate healing. See, John, who wrote John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, also wrote Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And he had this vision of, of the end of, uh, end of days, the end of this age. And he writes about a new heaven and a new earth that he sees. So that heaven isn't like floating on a cloud with an angel, but heaven is a physical place. It's actually a city. So I hope you like urban living because there's much city involved in, in heaven. In fact, listen to what it says. Revelation 21 says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away what a picture what a picture of heaven it's a place where all is bright and it's wonderful because there's no more tears there's no more sorrow and we are healed look this world that we live in it can be pretty awesome there are days, there are moments, there are places that you go where you stand there and you just think, this is amazing. This experience, this moment that I got to have, this is wonderful. But even our best moments are twinged with the tiniest piece of sadness because we know it's eventually going to go away. There will be a cycle to this. There will be this high and then we know eventually there's going to be a low, that the, the high will fade. And so today I want to remind us that at the end, ultimately all is bright and that there is hope. All may not feel bright to you right now. I know the song says all is bright and you were like, nope, not not the case. In fact, I've talked to people even this week who are pretty sad, who are in a hard spot. I got to think vitamin D is related to that in some way. You guys notice how dark it is outside? What is today? Uh, The 17th, 18th, whatever. On the 21st, it'll be the darkest day of the year, right? And that has an effect on people. Um, You know, it's just like, it's a downer. Um, and And I get that. But that's the bottom of it. It only gets brighter from there, right? And maybe we need to remind each other, no, light has come into the world, and light is coming, and hope is coming again. Um, That's why I love how John 1 says that The light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It feels like the darkness is going to overcome it, but it won't. The light of the world came and will come again. So we're going to celebrate that this morning. We're going to celebrate that as a church. We we give to our Advent offering every year. This year we're raising money for the Brent family to get them a, a transportation in Turkey. We're going to do that, and, and uh, you can give a special offering to that um, online. We have giving boxes at the front. Uh, but we also are going to celebrate with um, worshiping and singing, and we'll do that here this morning for a few moments, and, we're, and then we're going to uh, do that on Christmas Eve. So let's, uh, let's stand and, and, and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the light and life of all men. Lord, I don't, I don't know where else we could go. To whom else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You order the world. You are the author, so you speak with authority over this. And so, God, we come to you. We want to learn from you. Um, show us illuminate us, show us the true light. And God, for those who are feeling a lot of darkness right now, um, there, there should be joy and peace and all of that at Christmas, but for a lot of people it can be a pretty hard time. I pray that um, they can hold to the truth that uh, that you as the light have come into the world and the darkness will not overcome you And that, um, and that light is coming again. Thank you. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.